Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Ruel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make your second half of life even better than the first. In today's episode, we'll be talking with Ryan McAniff, who grew up in Concord, Mass., went off to college in Rhode Island, where he studied business administration, then headed west to Colorado to enjoy the sunshine, skiing, and the great outdoors. But in 2011, his plans suddenly changed. After his mother was diagnosed with stage four cancer, he moved to Florida to support her during her last few months of life. It was through that experience that he ultimately decided to fulfill his dream of becoming a business owner by taking over a home care company, helping families in the same way that others had helped him and his parents. In our conversation today, I'll ask Ryan about his 10-year journey becoming a passionate advocate for seniors as he built one of the premier home care providers in his region, Minute Women Home Care, and created a widely recognized podcast, The Caregiver's Toolbox. Ryan will talk about how families should hire some home care services, what, what new ways of technology are being implemented to improve the level of care, lower costs, and make home care more affordable. He'll highlight some of the late, latest tech innovations, such as remote monitoring systems that not only provide fall detection alerts, but customize analytics to improve care plans. And Ryan will discuss his involvement in advocacy in multiple efforts where the core mission is to educate families on their options regarding aging in place, providing actionable information and resources to ensure exceptional home care with proper support, safety, and dignity. So now it's a pleasure to introduce our guest, Ryan McAniff. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ron. I'm just going to have you follow me around and introduce me that way everywhere <laughs> I go. That was a great introduction. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show. You're quite welcome. It's a real pleasure having you. Um, so before we were talking, before we came on the air, we were talking a little bit about how people who come into this um, field, everyone has a story that really you know brings them into this field. So I, I mentioned in the intro a little bit of your story, but it's really an interesting story. Why don't you just tell us a little bit more because it involves not only your mom, but but also another family member you're at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I grew up, like you said, in, in the Massachusetts area. Um, you know, I was, I'm an only child. So uh, once I was kind of shipped off to college and once I had uh, man, it made it through that. My parents were just on the first plane down to Florida to retire. Right. And uh, and I didn't want to go down to Florida. I, w I went out to Colorado uh, to drink beer and snowboard, which I was successful <laughs> at both. Uh, and, and unfortunately, you know, we got the, we got a call, and 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 the call was that my mom had had a seizure. Um, she was actually overseas on a cruise, so the wow. the, the uh, medical attention was good, but it wasn't uh, up to the United States par. So you know, uh, we knew coming home that she had uh, kind of lesions or, or spots in her brain and the the news just never got better from there it was it was more of where the cancer wasn't versus where it was it was just had metastasized everywhere and we assume it was um, lung cancer uh, and and you know she was a she was a very solid smoker for many years and unfortunately that caught up to her sooner than uh, anybody would have liked but uh, she was also realistic in knowing that that was the the roll of the dice and was hoping to make it to the mid seventies before she got nipped by the, uh, cancer bug, but it right. happened when she was 63, 64. Oh, so, yeah. um, so that, that was kind of, that, that was kind of where, where that call got 
I got that call in Colorado and you get that call and you say, Hey, listen, I got to quit my job. I got to rent out my condo that I just bought. And I got to move to Florida because uh, at the time we, we thought it was about a year, a year of, uh, of life, but it, it just didn't ended up being that long at all. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you, you decided to switch careers. You, you felt that this was something that, that, that grabbed you that really, that there was some sense of purpose as, as well as, you know, I mean, I know you've had always a sort of an entrepreneurial bent in, in you and, you know, and so um, tell us about how you uh, tell us about your, your aunt's agency and how you got involved there. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, when my mom was sick and, and as we went through the process of trying to figure out what was going on and, you know, anybody that's gone through, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people have, but a loved one with cancer, these, these doctors really can't give you any def- definitive answers. I mean, right. they don't have a magic ball of how long things are going to take and last and such. So, so, uh, my whole family lives in Florida on my, my dad's side. So there were uh, a lot of trips back and forth to seeing my mom and supporting us as much as we could. And uh, that's where my aunt and I got, got, had a conversation. I had, I had quit my job. I guess I could have gone on FMLA, but again, we thought it was going to be 12 to 16 months rather than three months. Right. And, um, and, and I had always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was sitting in Denver working a job trying to figure out what is my 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 business going to be what am i going to sell what's the service what's the the product and i looked at this as an opportunity where my aunt had been trying to sell minute women for many years she had been retired for about 10 years and wasn't even involved in the day-to-day business anymore for that length of time and um I had nothing to lose. You know, I, I, I could go up there and I could try it out. And if I didn't like it, I could just go back to Colorado when my, my, my condo was available after it was being rented. And I should say at the time we did house cleaning as well. So uh, I don't want to make it sound like I didn't, the, the home care, I could just figure it out as I go. I really focused on the home care and understanding that service side of the business. I figured if I break, if one of my employees breaks a vase or a vacuum cleaner, I can easily replace that. <laughs> if somebody breaks mom's hip, that's a big, big issue. And I, and I was certainly wary of you're caring for somebody's loved one, their parents. Um, but as I got more comfortable with it, as I learned more, as I, as I was introduced to this industry, I realized that I could help people the same way that I got help with my mom. Uh, right. We had 24 hour home care and we needed uh, every bit of that help because when you're going through a diagnosis like that, it, it is extraordinarily stressful. It is, it is, uh, it is, is very difficult. And additionally, people's last memories on both sides, the, the child and the adults, you know, mm-hmm don't want the lasting memory being cleaning up, you know, uh, after going to the bathroom or having to shower right. and being weak, you know, let some professionals do that. If you have the, the wherewithal and the, the financial abilities to do that. And so, um, that's how I got into home care where my aunt said, Hey, you know, give it a shot. And if you like it, great. And if you don't, then no harm, no foul. And she right. was, she was outstanding about that. Right. Um, yeah. And so that's how I got involved in the business. Yeah. Just before we move on, just tell me about the name. I love the name 
men and women. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so for those that are listening, I am a giant six foot five bald guy. Ah. And so when I go around saying like minute women, uh, I do turn a couple heads and minute women came from, uh, you know, again, growing up in the Concord minute women's located in Lexington, the down over that's the Minuteman soldiers. That's where the mm-hmm. revolutionary war happened. So when my aunt started this company, there were a lot of Minuteman plumbing, Minuteman electrical, Minuteman this. And she said, Hey, we're a woman owned company. We have mainly women as employees. We're going to name ourselves minute women. And, uh, after being in business and taking over the company after 40 years of being in business, there was just no way in, 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 in God's green earth, I was going to be changing the name of the company. I was keeping that legacy moving on with Minute Women. Uh, whether I look silly doing it or not, I didn't care. So, well, uh, you know, that's I, how I it like, happened. Yeah, I like it, though. I mean, it's also kind of it's it, it updates Minutemen to, you know, this century. And it also but it also keeps to me in mind, you know, sort of like, you know, you're, you're mobilizing the militia to take and come in to take care of families. Right. You know, that's a that's a new one, Ron. I won't lie. I haven't heard that rationale before. But either way, I like it. I mean, what on the business side of it, many home care companies have very similar names. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I won't go into them, but like they're they're all the same logos. They use the same imagery. They have very similar names. So Minute Women on a business sense at least allowed it to stick out and not be caught up in the same kind of uh, gen- general kind of uh, verbiage that's used. But people... Uh, people love the name and they like the story and, and it, it works out really well. That's great. That's great. So uh, now you, you've got a really broad uh, understanding of, of the industry and, and of home care and of care in general. So before we talk about your business in particular, let's talk about home care in general in terms of where it occupies in the sort of the spectrum of, of caregiving in general, because you've got some interesting views and, and there's some particular you know, where where home care has been and where it's going in terms of its its importance in, in caregiving. Yeah, so, so home care is, and again, I'm in Massachusetts, so I can really only speak to the laws around Massachusetts, but in general, home care can be very confusing to people. We're, we're in an industry that nobody really wants to know about us um, or even does know about us until a crisis has occurred. And their loved one is being discharged from a hospital or a nursing home rehab center in 24 to 48 hours, and they are just learning about our industry. Um, and so they're making decisions under the gun, trying to do the best that they can with the limited amount of information they have. And and that's, that's a really difficult position to be in. And that also welcomes a lot of um, of, of, of difficulties, you know, you're already in a heightened stress scenario and you're trying to also, as I say, drink from the fire hose of information and learn about an industry. So basically home care, that type of home care I do, there are two specific kinds. There's what's called the VNA or Medicare reimbursed home care, which is when you injure yourself and you go to a nursing home, that's usually paid by Medicare or Medicaid. And then when you go home, you get a certain amount of, uh, Medicare paid home care services, very task-based, usually one to one hour a day, three to four times a week, somebody comes out and gives you a sponge bath or does some PTOT exercises with you. What private home care does, which is what I do, is we do longer blocks of time where we come in with caregivers at six, eight, 16, 24 hours a day and provide care for somebody so that they can still maintain a level of independence at home preventing them from needing to go into a nursing home. Uh, so generally our business for all intents and purposes around our industries around because we help people stay in their homes and age in place 
when and if we weren't in there, they would likely be moving into a nursing home. Right, right. So just to be clear, so this is not the same as community uh, Medicaid, but a lot of the principles about how to do care are, are really, you know, instrumental or the same. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's similar caregiving. It's the same caregivers that are doing this, but it's a different paying source and it's a different method of, of the amount of care that you're getting. Right, right. So let's talk a little bit about how you start. How do you start with families to put a, a care plan in, in place? What, what are the first conversations? How do you engage the family? So usually the family is engaging us. They're getting a referral from a hospital or a nursing home or somebody in the senior care world to give us a call. And uh, and they they reach out to us. They they call us. And we have a, a, a anywhere from a 15 to 30-minute conversation of what the situation is on a broad sense, what their goals are, what type of schedule they're looking for. And then from that conversation, we can either uh, move forward and doing an assessment, which means coming out to their their home, seeing the home, seeing what challenges that might be in the home, what the layout is of everything, and then having a more in-depth conversation of exactly what needs to happen to have somebody be successful. And every single care case is different. There is no uh, plug and play model. Everybody has different needs and different level of needs. So you really need to have a detailed care uh, plan of care in place so that everybody is on the same page of what the goals are and what's considered success and what isn't considered success. Right. Yeah. Um, from the owner of the company like me, all the way down to the caregiver, the clients, the clients, adult children, um, everybody needs to be on the same page of what our goals are in there. And as things change, and in most cases, people are declining, they're generally not getting better, unfortunately, uh, we need to update the plan of care to reflect the current uh, situation that that we're facing and what the new goals are and the new um, strategy is. Right, right. Yeah, as uh, you've said to me in previous conversation, this is not the sort of thing that you can Uberize. <laughs> no, you can't, no. You can't just, you know, and drop people into these situations. It really requires a lot of discussion. Um, yeah, they tried to do that already and it failed. So, um, I mean, it's it's a great idea in in the whole kind of uh, uh, the the whole the scheme of daydreaming of being able to Uberize something, um, but it's just too difficult and complicated with our type of industry. Right, right. So um, y- you have uh, a number of uh, and looking at your your uh, website, um, you, you have four core principles what are those principles well i mean those principles are the the, the biggest one is dignity right we want right. to make sure that we are providing dignity to individuals that comes from where my where my mom came from where when you are and we're all unfortunately going to be there one day but when we're going to be in a a bed that we 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 don't have control over things we want to make sure we have dignity um, and we want to be able to provide dignity, even no matter how small to our clients, even a 1% change in dignity is a huge difference for individuals. And then um, customer service is obviously huge. And that really, that really fundamentally is communication. If communication is mm-hmm. broken, you're going to have customer service issues without a doubt. Um, finally, that's education, not finally, but education is really important, which is why I do these shows, do podcasts. I try to have a really robust website with information for people and then technology. I really believe that we have to embrace technology as a solution for the future. Right. Right. So we're going to talk a lot more about that in, in our next segment, but um uh, so one of the issues, of course, is, you touched on it, is um, coming in and talking to the family. And um, 
that can often be uh, you know a, a task in itself. And you mentioned before getting people on the same page. Um, that's uh, having been in a family with three brothers. Um, I, I can tell you that we're often on the same page, but it's hard. You know, there it's not you know um, you know an indication of anybody's in many cases right or wrong, but their differences of opinion. Um, as to what to do and what's best for mom. So how do you negotiate what I call the, you know, the sibling syndrome? So that's a good, we call it the family dynamics, but sibling okay. syndrome is actually probably better in my opinion. Um, you know, when we sit down with a family, we make it very clear that there needs to be the CEO, there needs to be the main point of contact. And that has to be decided before you decide to jump onto services with us. And if that ha hasn't been decided, we can introduce other senior care professionals like geriatric care managers that can help mediate and determine who that point of contact is and try to get everybody on the same page of what the, the type of care that uh, people want. But if there's one family member that wants home care, one that wants a nursing home and another one that wants assisted living, and they are battling it out like it's a WWE fight, that's going to be a very difficult situation to go into with our caregivers and be successful. It's it's going to be very stressful and and difficult for there to be a positive outcome for everybody that's in that situation, especially the client who's in need of care. Yeah. Yeah. You really do have to, you know, well, you really have to have as a family, you know, just conversations and just, you know, in many cases compromise, you know, not, not, not everybody is going to um, see the same way. And also I think, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard because, you know, um, the, the ultimate client of course is the care recipient. And so you've got to make decisions that are best for them, you know, and, and get their involvement too. Um, so um yeah, I think that that's, that's really a tricky issue, but I think that you get involved in it and I think uh, you guys are pretty good at it because I, yeah. <laughs> and I, will, I will say, I know we're going to talk about it in the future, but that's where healthcare proxies and advanced planning, these simple things will make all of those issues uh, much less uh, of difficult when the time comes, but we can get to that in yeah, the future well, we, at we, some we, point we, in time. We can start, it, we can start in on that and we'll probably um, do end up on the other side of the break as well but um yeah so what are some of the things that you look for when when you go in and you ask the family what do you have in place right so we are we are going to ask is there a healthcare proxy is there going to be a power of attorney is um end of life or advanced planning directives been uh filled out and if that's the case that really makes it a lot easier because it tells us as a service vendor that the family is on the same page, or at the very least, the client has made decisions that the family needs to respect. And the last thing you want to do, and I have been in this situation, so I'm not being anecdotal in the sense of it, it, it exaggerating, but mm -hmm. I have been in situations where you have family members that are arguing about things that they should not be arguing about within earshot of a dying loved one mm -hmm. that are that are in the last hours of their life and are experiencing anger and frustration and infighting rather than calmness and and peacefulness and appreciation for spending the last minutes with a loved one on earth so it is important and i cannot recommend it enough and it's not a, a money-making thing it is all about very simple uh, but important processes that are put in place to make these uh, decisions even easier right great okay so uh, folks we are going to take a short break 
Um, when we come back, we'll be talking much more with Ryan McEniff, the owner of Men and Women Home Care. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance of success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Ryan McAniff of Minute Women Home Care in Lexington, Massachusetts. Uh, now, before we continue our conversation, I just wanted you to know you can find out much more about Ryan on his website, uh, which is mwhomecare.com. Um, so you'll find you've got more stuff about him and his podcast and lots of his services. So uh, I'll repeat that at the end of the show, but that's where you can reach Ryan. Uh, so before the break, uh, we are talking about, you know, advanced directives and the importance of them. Um, so let's shift a little bit to um, um, technology because there's a lot to talk about here. We'll probably run through this segment and the, and the next on this, but um, um uh, let's talk about technology, you know, telehealth, the whole um, gamut of stuff. Uh, and you have a particular uh, role with, with your company, but, but talk about, you know, how you see technology being used in healthcare. So obviously uh, COVID has been good for really pushing and getting technology in the senior care world, because uh, what was considered kind of an anomaly of, of, you know, you know, video conferencing and remote monitoring calls really became the standard when it came to COVID. I mean, even even with me being 38 years old, when I thought I had COVID, you put your cell phone up to your face and there's a doctor or nurse on the other end and they're asking you a few questions and, and going from there. So it really opened up the floodgates. But even before COVID, I was very pro-technology because, um, you know, it allows people that can't afford private one-on-one home care to have some type of safety net that they otherwise wouldn't be able to afford. Um, You know, when we talk about uh, uh, the the system that we have with with medicine and healthcare, uh, the most expensive type of healthcare that we're providing is what we call for frequent flyers, where somebody um, is older, they're on Medicare or Medicaid, and they injure themselves, they go to a hospital, they go to a rehab, 
They go through that whole process of whether it's surgeries or whatever it is, and then they go home and within two or three weeks or four weeks, they've injured themselves again and it's rinse and repeat. And it is extraordinarily expensive and costs a lot of money to every taxpayer that's listening to this. And wow. certainly those services need to be there, but they're there, as they said, there's got to be a better way. Right. And and so, um, you know, when I looked at private home care, while as great as it is, and it's not going to go anywhere because until we have those perfect robots that can do everything, um, you're not going to replace caregivers. But there are a lot of people that are in this in-between place where they need some help. They need a safety net, but they don't necessarily need six or eight hours of home care. And so what happens to those individuals? What happens to those people that don't have the money that when you say, hey, Ryan, how much are your services? And I say it's between 30 and $40 an hour. The conversation's over. Like it, it's it's a non-starter because you can't afford $40 an hour at a minimum of six or eight hours. Um, and that's the going rate in Massachusetts in the Boston right. area right now. Um, and so- I really looked at technology as a way that family members not, might not get everything, but getting something is better than getting absolutely nothing. And and that's when I got introduced um, through actually a great organization, shout out to the National Aging and Place Council, mm. uh, to a company called Wellaware Care that I immediately fell in love with because they had the same mission and, and views of healthcare as I did, where we need to start presenting uh opportunities of technology to families who otherwise cannot afford to keep their mom at home and they, right. everybody wants to stay at home. So that's how I got involved with WellAware Care, where we met each other through networking and sat down, had a couple lunches with them. And I felt like what they were offering was outstanding. Um, and that's how I got involved with WellAware Care yeah. and, and their technology. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that technology. There, there are a few different things, but there's, um, you know, the, remote monitoring uh, system. Absolutely. Right. So yeah. WellAware Care is is what we call a hardware integrator. They are a SAAS company, a software as a sales, which we're all we're all used to with our, our monthly fees for Netflix, for example. Um, and what they do is they have an outstanding dashboard, if you will, uh, the, the, the Facebook uh, for an analogy. And what we do is we take already existing hardware, we plug it into our dashboard, and we are able to take the data from those devices and be able to help families and PCPs and medical professionals remote monitor uh, family members. And um, there are other competitors out there. there most people are used to the um, PERS, the personal emergency right. uh, uh, devices where I've helped I've fallen and I can't get up and they press a button. Right, right. Um, where the difficulties of those are is that one, um, a lot of people don't wear them purposely. And secondly, a lot of people don't wear them because they have memory issues. And even if they fall and they have this button around their neck, they may not ever press it because they either don't want to, because they don't want to bother anybody or get the police called or anything like that, or they no longer have the mental faculties to remember to, to press it. Um, and so what well aware care has done is they've, they've partnered with a company company that has uh, fall detection devices that are actually very simply attached to a wall. Right. And it uses radar detection. So if you fall, it the radar picks you up, not a camera, no camera devices, and it automatically texts, calls, and emails um, an unlimited amount of contacts that a fall event has occurred. So you can get uh, help 
almost immediately um, for a fall. And one of the issues with falls isn't necessarily always the fall, but it's being stranded on the ground for hours and in right. some cases days. I was down visiting my dad in Florida just two weeks ago and he was telling me how a neighbor was on the ground for three full days because they fell and wow. and nobody knew. And finally somebody from the area was like, who's seen Jeff in three days? And they went over to the house to, to, to check on him. Um, so, so what I, I feel like this is a low cost way for families to be able to uh, check in and remotely monitor their loved ones and have the peace of mind and the safety net that if something does happen, they're going to be alerted almost immediately about that. We can't prevent the fall. That's where even 24 hour care doesn't always prevent the fall. It's not a perfect system, but if we can help families on a low cost way to be able to monitor and check in on their loved ones, I think that's a win-win. Yeah. And and that's what the mission of this company and why I'm I'm really excited to be part of it. And I think it's going to really be successful and, and popular with people. Right now. Uh, so does, does the radar tracking, does that um, basically track you, um, room to room supposedly when you go from the bedroom to into the bathroom and you fall in the bathroom yeah so you would have multiple devices in the home um so you you depending on the size of the home you know to give you an idea like in a a one bedroom assisted living has three devices two two one in the hallway one in the the bedroom uh living area and then one in the bathroom um and those devices are working 24 hours a day seven days a week so you don't have to a lot of families call their loved ones and say hey call them at nine o'clock in the morning and maybe call them at six o'clock at night just to make sure everything's okay. Well, you know, what happens in that 12 hours or 10 hours between those calls and then another 16 hours at night? Um, that's where you at least have the peace of mind that if something goes wrong, you'll be notified about that quickly. Right, right. Um, and, and then there are analytics involved, right, in terms of, you know, the ability not only to know, you know, figure out a loved one has fallen, but but be able to you know, uh, basically track some of their, their patterns and behaviors. Uh, again, they're n- not in, as an intrusion of privacy, but just to get, you know, get the family information about how it is that their loved ones move, and, you know, and, and their daily patterns of uh, behavior, right? Yeah. And one of, the, one of the, the challenges that a lot of medical professionals have is, is, you know, something happens to a loved one and then they talk to their adult children. They say, well, what's going on at home? And the, the adult child's like, I don't know. I live in, I live two states away. I have no idea what's going on with mom. Right. Like, you know, I call twice a day and she says everything's fine. Right. And so this allows you to have, um, have an idea of where your mom's spending time. How often is she going to the bathroom? How many times a day? How often is she spending in the bathroom? And, and you then can have somewhat predictive, um, uh, analytics to this because if you start seeing somebody's had a fall once well the number one predictor of a fall is a past fall a future fall future falls are indicated by past falls so if right. you start seeing these falls you know that we're going down a bad road and we need to get care in there before the big one occurs if you know that mom is going to the bathroom let's say 12 times a day um and all of a sudden that jumps to 25 times a day. Well, that might be an indicator of UTI or some type of medication problem. So you are able to, without using cameras and necessarily um, intruding uh, in somebody's like personal space of 
having a camera in a bathroom or in a bedroom, you are able to have a very good understanding of what's going on inside of a home. And if something uh, changes, you are able to see that in real time through the dashboard and infographics and get alerts about that as well. Right. So we also have something that's a sleep tracker, and this goes under the right. uh, under the the mattress, and it's it looks like a simple sleep pad. You know, it's about three by three by four, uh, maybe less, maybe 12, uh, 12 inches by by three feet, let's say, and that lets you know how often mom and dad is getting up out of bed, and it lets you know what their heart rate is, how well are they sleeping, how long are they sleeping for. So if all of a sudden they're having a bad day and they have a fall, and you look at it and you say, well, they didn't sleep at all. Well, why weren't they sleeping at all? They hadn't slept in the last five days. Maybe it's a medication issue. Maybe are these what is going on in the home? And this allows you to have an all-in-one place dashboard to have a full understanding of what's going on in your, your parents' home without necessarily needing to be there. It allows them to keep their independence, but it allows you to be able to have a, a pulse on what's happening. And that's what we're so excited about because we are able to take this information and be able to have families utilize it to make uh, make informed decisions. And I apologize for talking so much, but let me oh, use an example. Yeah, absolutely. So, so a lot of times I will get a call for the home care side of my business uh, from assisted livings and somebody will go to a hospital and they will spend a few nights there and they will come back home. Maybe they went for a fall and they had a mm -hmm. contusion on their head. Nothing major in terms of like, you know, really bad, but something to be concerned about. Right. And so the assisted living will mandate that they get 12 hours or 16 hours of day of private home care for at least two weeks to be able to monitor what is going on in the assisted living. Well, right. if you already had well aware care in your parents' assisted living, you would be able to monitor what is going on already. You would be able to see um, the falls that were coming, that were happening that nobody knew about until the big one occurred. And so this allows somebody like me to be able to say, hey, listen, this isn't my caregiver who has a conflict of interest or I having a conflict of interest of saying you need more care mm -hmm. because then I get more revenue, right? It is a, a non, an unbiased device that allows you to know what's going on in the, the home or the assisted living apartment that tells you, hey, this is how mo often mom is falling and this is how often she's going to the bathroom and these are the, uh, you know, key key points that you need to know to make a decision on whether you need more home care or whether you don't. And you can then take the family together, look at these data points and make an informed decision rather than a guessing game. Yeah. Yeah. And this is really is where technology really can help a lot because you just can't have, uh, you know, even with you know, a good aid, you know, sometimes they walk into another room where something happens, they, they get called and, you know, or they get distracted. This, this is, this is can really help. It's a real, a real assist. So, um, you know, I think that this this is going to, you know, continue going to where we need to go. And I think that, yeah, also, um, you know, I think that that there are a lot of things that could be handled more efficiently through telehealth. I mean, I uh, remember I had some uh, real uh, ailments. I wasn't sure what they were in terms of, you know, whether it was rheumatoid arthritis or what, you know, um, and so I, I did, you know, feel I needed, a, you know, an in-person consultation with a doctor, you know, but once I had that consultation and we had, you know, I had a thorough checkup and run through over my body, then the follow-up, you know, the doctor knew, she knew who I was already. She'd already been there. And so there were certain particular issues. She said, well, show me your finger. You know, you, you can really take care of these kinds of things um, through, um, you know, through a Zoom call. Um, 
so I think that this is going to be a continuing trend and, and I think a positive one in terms of um, efficiency, in terms of, you know, again, it's, 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 it's a different kind of home care, bringing medical care to the home instead of making the senior go to the office. You know, I think that that's a, you know, a very, you know, positive thing to make it more efficient and, you know, for the senior itself in terms of, you know, the hazard of going out into a car and driving and so forth. So um, I'm, I'm high in this trend. I think obviously there are lots of things to work out, but I think they're good. Um, now, are there some others before we get to the next break? Uh, any other uh, examples that come to mind of, of where you think they're interesting technology? I mean, I, I know that things like pill dispensers and things like that. I mean, yeah, I don't want it to be just a well aware care commercial. I, I absolutely think that there, that th this whole industry is young, right? We're still mm -hmm. learning what's going to be popular and what's not. Like, for example, there are, um, instead of the simple PERS device that you just press a button, there are wearables now that are much more kind of aligned to what WellAware Care is doing, where they, they gather a lot of data and health bio data about what you're doing and what's going on, and you can uh, wear that out while you go for a walk. I mean, that's an opportunity there. There are automatic pill dispensers that are connected to Wi-Fi, so you can immediately tell if somebody's taken their pills or not and, and what's going on and why. Um, there's a great company called MedMinder that I recommend to everybody that um, they get. And great thing is, is it's, there's no out-of-pocket costs. It's, it's paid through Medicare and Medicaid. Um, and they're a great company. They, they provide a locked um, uh, pill dispenser so that you can't get in there. I mean, I can't tell you how many homes I've gone into Ron, how many homes I've gone to where where the the pills are put into a giant bowl and it looks like just a skittle <laughs> bowl of pills oh, and wow. they they just take pills not even knowing what they're taking. So MedMinder's great where it it has it it has voice activation. Hey, Ron, it's time to take your your pills. It has light activation to remind you as well. And then if you don't take it, those alerts go out to family members that uh, uh that the pills haven't been taken on time. And so there's just a lot of technology that's going to really come into the world. And I think the big common denominator, at least in my opinion, and I'm biased because well aware care is about this, and this is the big reason why I like well aware care, is that you really want to limit the amount of interaction the senior has with the technology. The easier you can streamline that for a senior and their family members to use. Um, technology can, can be, could become complicated for anybody of any age, but if you put in somebody that's older that might have dementia or memory care issues, you're, that's a recipe for a technology to not get used. So right. if the senior doesn't necessarily have to interact with it, that's going to make it much more likely that it's going to be utilized and it's going to work well for the adult children that are prepared to learn that technology and uh, adopt that technology as a way to, to look at their, their loved ones. So right. um, the much like We've seen with cell phones over the last 15 or 20 years, you you look back at your old cell phone and you can't believe that's what it was at like just four or five years ago. I have to imagine in four or five years, the landscape's going to look radically different. And, you know, large companies like Amazon and Apple and Google, the big players, they are involved in technology and aging and healthcare. And, right. you know, if they're getting involved in putting billions of dollars in the R&D, it's definitely going to be a a definite change in the landscape in just a matter of a few years. Great. Okay. Well, listen, we're going to take another short break. Don't go away. Anyone, everyone uh, we will be much back with much more from Ryan McAniff, the owner of Minute women help home care. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at voice America TRN. <laughs> 
or twitter.com forward slash voice America TRN. Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. This companion piece to her successful guidebook series, The Space of the Waste, focuses on body types and how to make your waist length flattering, no matter what your body type is. Guests include designers, merchandise managers, factory owners, and more. You'll also find out what accessories will complement your body shape and waist length. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Ryan McAniff of uh, uh, Minute Women Home Care. And before the break, we were talking about the use of technology in home care, especially. Um, and uh, we were talking about uh, monitoring devices. And I was going to ask uh, Ryan a little bit about just, um, you know, are we transitioning to toward uh, sort of the mobility of tracking systems and, and technology that is in the home and then it can be uh, synthesized with, you know, mobile apps that people take, they leave the home. So you can continue with kind of the monitoring and checking of people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's already here, right? So like, uh, you know, Google, Google maps automatically tracks everywhere you wag, you go, um, not only for, for to be able to sell your data, but you can go in and see where you've been. And it's kind of a mm -hmm. cool feature to see, you know, and then, and they connect your pictures that you took to those places and you can go down memory lane. So it would only make sense that those kind of GPS uh, technologies, especially the wearable ones, smart wearable devices are going to automatically have that kind of GPS in it because wandering is an issue. When my parents, when my mom was alive, when they lived in Florida, you know, every week or so there would be helicopters over their house going in the woods in the back back because they lived off of a golf course so they go in the woods looking for somebody that wandered um because wow. somebody got lost and they they wandered out into the woods and they couldn't figure out how to get home and so that technology is going to it's only going to get cheaper and cheaper and it's going to be more prevalent and as you know uh, i think baby boomers have done an outstanding job um 
adapting to technology that it's going to just be more commonplace. And certainly as you go through the, the generations, it's going to be uh, more and more comfortable with having these devices on them at all times. Right, right. Yeah, I think with, uh, before the break, you were talking about how the importance is uh, really creating devices that don't involve the engagement of the, the user. And I think that's, that is an important issue. And I think that, you know, I think that that's been going on for quite a while since the introduction of, you know, Apple's uh, MacBooks, you know, the, you know, the, the, their computers, they made them more intuitive and, and the less people had to do with them, you know, in terms of figuring stuff out, the more they use them. So I think that's, that's really important to, to make these um, as user-friendly and uh, you know technologically accessible as possible, because I think the people really at any age, <laughs> not just seniors, want that simplicity. It's like oh no, and 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 you know I, <laughs> one of the things that drives me crazy is when you know my I, I open up my computer and I realize that uh, you know Microsoft or someone has upgraded things, and I'm like okay, now I don't know where anything is anymore, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, then it takes it's a whole you know session to figure out where where they've put things, you know. So, um, so I think that's really key. Um, and I think, you know, as you've mentioned before, education is key and you do a lot of this. So let's talk a little bit about your podcast, the, the caregivers at the toolbox, you know, and how you, you know, how you decided to start it and what sort of things you cover. Yeah. So that, that's definitely a labor of love. Um, I was going to Council on Aging. So we have a lot of them in Massachusetts. Every town has their own Council on Aging and I would do seminars and I, I, I experienced as I took over Minute Women that, you know, like I said, people are drinking from the fire hose of information. They don't know what, you know, they're getting a call that mom fell. And within 48 hours of that call that mom fell and hurt themselves badly, they need to figure out private home care, VNA home care, the hospital system, the rehab system, and how all of that works. And it's mm -hmm. coming at you real fast. So I decided I was going to start doing some seminars. The only problem is nobody showed up to them. <laughs> and so, so um, you know, unbelievable, right, Ron? Nobody yeah. wanted to spend their afternoons or their yeah. evenings talking about Medicare and Medicaid. Um, and so I said, hey, listen, I still want to scratch this itch. I still want to help people out. We have a really robust website with a blog about, but it's focused on 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 home care because that's what we do how about i start a podcast that it's just me and my director of client care talking and we would take real life experiences you know keeping people anonymous but of what we experienced and we'd start having a 15 20 minute conversation about things and it, it took off and people really enjoyed it we got good feedback and then eventually we really we kind of petered out because business and we you, know, you run out of things to talk about and i started having guests on and i thought it was great to have different people in the senior care world to come on and express their views and and give people an idea of what industries are in within under the umbrella of senior care. And there's a lot of industries and services underneath that umbrella and um, people that take the time to listen to the podcast, get to learn a bit of information about these individuals and what they do and how they help others. And I thought that was important to at least have that out there for the families that were looking for that information. They could find it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great, Ryan, and I think that uh, you hit upon the issue, which is everybody needs this information. But as you put it, it's a fire hose. Number one, people don't know where to get it. Uh, um, but the second thing is that, uh, unfortunately, you know, this is about you know the sandwich generation. You know, so a lot of the family caregivers end up being some of them are spouses, but it, it's often the adult children. 
and they're, you know, working, they're running around. And so, you know, you put a lot of work into putting together these educational webinars or programs and it's like, okay, uh, two people showed up. So, <laughs> you know, so this gives people an opportunity to, to access this information uh, and you have it as a podcast so they can go in, they don't, they don't have to listen to it live, but you have it there and it's recorded. So I've listened to several of them and I, I commend them to people. So let's let's just tell people how do they how do they find your podcast? Just go into any podcast listener that you have, whether it's Google. I mean, number one, Apple iTunes is the number one, or Apple Podcasts okay. is number one, and just type in Caregivers Toolbox, and and you'll see my my uh, podcast come up. And yeah, I mean, it's it's again, it's it's not a money making endeavor of any kind. It's really just uh, trying to to give back. Now, with that being said, I want my I want everybody listening. The expectations are need to be tampered, right? Like, okay. so it's it's somebody on a Zoom with a microphone. Sometimes the guest doesn't have the greatest microphone, and I got your email before this, and you're like, hey, it would be really good if you had a nice microphone. <laughs> um, and that that kind of sound quality is important, and um, and so, but it. it hopefully people find the quality of the information more than than anything so we've done about 180 190 podcasts and you get to go through there and flip through and maybe find a topic you like and you don't have to listen to everyone but uh you can get the information you're looking for right right and you do a lot of uh i think that one of the things i like about it too is that you focus on pragmatic stuff i mean you have you know definitely have a philosophy of core mission and your values but, um, you know, you focus on uh, actionable information. I think that's important because that's what people really need, right? I mean, they're in these situations and, you know, you try to do as much planning with them as you can, but often it's really crisis or semi-crisis situation. There's some urgency to it. So they need this actionable information. You know, what do I do now? Where do I go? And I think that's what you provide. So um, I try to provide it in, in a whole range of subjects, but you focus on caregiving. And I think that's one that is going to be, let's face it, more and more important, you know, uh, as uh, society ages. Absolutely. And, and there's a lot to talk about and, and you can have, you know, there, there are many different podcast networks out there that whether it's elder law, geriatric care managers, whether it's um, hospice, visiting nurses, I mean, there's just so many uh, uh, doulas. Um, there's just so many different topics to talk about. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very, it's very, you know, it's the, the one of the root things you mentioned with the sandwich generation, and I agree with you, that is part of it. But the other part of it is it is very difficult for, for adult children to then become the quote unquote parent of the relationship. That's not an easy for right. many families. That's not an easy thing to do. And you don't just flip it with a switch. And, you know, if you have a, a loved one that has always been the, the 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 leader of that family it can be devastating to realize that they no longer can make their own decisions or the decisions that they're making are harmful to themselves and you need to step up and be the the one that puts their foot down and needs to be maybe the bad guy in that situation quote unquote and that's really hard for families and i think um 
and certainly there's no judgment there, but that difficulty of doing that, people kick that can down the road too long. And they say, well, maybe I'll deal with it at Thanksgiving. We'll see how mom's looking at Thanksgiving. And unfortunately, it's human nature to wait until the elephant is so big in the living room that you no longer can avoid it. And that usually ends up being a catastrophic event, like a major fall or a car accident or a stroke or something like that that causes everybody in the family to say, yep, we're on the same page. Mom or dad can no longer do this on their own. Um, And you had talked about different opinions from different family members. Well, maybe somebody's of the opinion, mom can't do something, but somebody else is of the opinion that they can. And that makes it a lot more difficult to have that conversation. And it is a difficult conversation. And if I had a magic bullet or a, or, a, or a chapter that I could give you that says, this is how you have that conversation and it works every single time. And then <laughs> mom and dad will listen to you. I'd be a billionaire, but I, I am not. And, and you, as you can see from my background, if you're watching this, I am not a billionaire. Um, and you know, it's not an easy conversation and it's not one size fits all. And it's a difficult uh, journey to go down and figure out how to change that dichotomy of you being the parent and the parent now being the one that's that's out of control and is no longer the one making all those decisions. Right. Right. And it's, it's difficult. It's, it's a balancing act because, you know, you want, you know, you, there is that respect, you know, that you need to maintain and you're, you're doing it for them and, and not doing it for yourself, but there is this balancing. uh, And one of the things that comes up quite a bit now, right. Is the whole issue of caring for yourself as a caregiver, self care. So what, what is your advice about that? So, you know, when you're, when you're a caregiver yourself, you need to have some off time. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, what we see with a lot of families is that there's usually one person that does the overwhelming amount of the caregiving. Um, That person is, is usually the female, the male, uh, the brother is usually the one that handles the finances, not always, but usually what we found. Um, And sometimes that person is just picked by proximity. The close, the person closest to mom or dad ends up being the person that bears the most amount of weight and responsibility of being a caregiver. And, you know, you need to, as the family caregiver, uh, put your foot down and tell the other siblings to say, hey, listen, I need more help. And, you know, getting that help is um, is imperative because you will burn yourself out. You will physically and financially and mentally take a a toll about it. And, uh, and it's, it's, it can be a real issue that we see come up with family members, um, when they're trying to take this all on their own. And then they finally call us months after they should have, because they are just well beyond the red line. They are beyond right. where they need to be. And, and they're, they're, they're struggling to, to keep their head above water, if you will. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, you you need to take care of yourself. And then what, what no, no. There's there's a <laughs> what, great book on you... it. There's a great book on it if you want to read it by Erin Galen okay. and her, it, it's called How to Be a Badass Advocate. And huh. uh and and it she talks about her her um struggles with two family members that went through cancer, her father and then uh even worse her 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 sibling or her sister and how she utilized her experience to use her family. So everybody had a role in that caregiving, uh, in that caregiving journey to be able to help her out so that it didn't all just fall on one person. So check that book out. And and she's, she's great. 
a great piece of advice here. And I think that that is the key is figuring out what role everyone can play. They can't always, you have to have the point person, uh, but then that point person often, you know, can, can figure out ways to have everybody involved to the capacity that they can. So anyway, uh, well, there's always much more to talk about, but uh, we'll have to leave it there for today, Ryan, but I want to thank you for a terrific informative conversation and if people have questions for you or comments and they want to contact you, what's the best way to reach you? I mean, my email is ryan at mwhomecare.com. And you can talk to me about Minute Women. You can talk to me about Well Aware Care, whatever you like. Right. And you're on on LinkedIn as well. People can, you know, connect with you there. Absolutely. Um, and absolutely, yeah. And and again, the, the Caregiver's Toolbox, uh, I guess you can go on mwhomecare.com, right? And, and go to podcasts from there, right? Absolutely. It's all on there, the blog, the podcast, information about our services and and uh, and Well Aware Care is all on that website. Great. Okay. So once again, folks, tell your friends if you missed my conversation with Ryan today, you can listen to it as a podcast, voiceamerica.com, to search for my show, 45 Forward, listen to it on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or go to my website, rowellresources.com, just click on the 45 Forward tab. Uh, be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern time on Labor Day, when I'll still be doing an encore show about with uh, retirement journey advocate Leah Frankel, who will be explaining her simple three-step process for leaving a long-time career, uh, even as we may be heading toward a recession. So until then, folks, keep moving forward, 45 forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.